then actually getting ready for a fight can be actually quite miserable. Uh, there might be days you don't want to go to training, but you have to, but you still love it per se. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's those days you want to stay in bed. But it's the, it's the fear of not being able to perform that gets you out of bed mm-hmm. and gets you, you know, running the hills that we did the other day. Or Welcome to the Coached Success Podcast. This is the number one show on mindset. This show explores what it takes to turn your adversity into your advantage and help you maximize your potential. Each week, I sit down with a guest who is winning at life to uncover the tools, techniques, and insight that will propel you to a champion's level. My name is Kyle Daniels. I hope you enjoy the show. On today's episode, I speak to Christopher McDonald. Christopher, originally from Northern Ireland, is a former professional MMA fighter who manages beach resorts across the globe. On this episode, we discuss what it takes to win, and our fear can be a powerful tool in helping you get ready to win. We also discuss life after professional fighting, and how Christopher is passing down the skills that he's learned to the next generation of winners. Stay tuned, this is an episode not to be missed. So today on the call, we have Christopher, Christopher McDonald. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good, good, thank you. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time out of your day. I know you just got home from running to actually have a conversation with me and share the insight that you've gathered along your journey. Yep. Mm-hmm. Tough from. <laughs> Christopher, do you want to tell us who is Christopher McDonald? Uh, I'm from uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, mm-hmm. My my journeys have taken me. I used to be a professional MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started off. Uh, I've just always been very sporty, so I played a lot of sports at a pretty good level. Uh, but my MMA journey took me from Northern Ireland to Jamaica for eight years, uh, and then where I got a job. And then uh, I had my own gym in Jamaica, and then we moved uh, again for work. I run hotels and beach clubs, so I moved uh, to Thailand with my wife, who's Jamaican who I met in Florida uh, when we were both on internships for university. Uh, we now live in Thailand. We've been here eight years living and working. We've had two children here, Isaac and Naya, who are both five and seven, which is probably the biggest challenge of my life by far. And uh, that's really it. Yeah, all on a dog. We have a dog called Rufus. Okay, awesome. That's the awesome. awesome. So it sounds like you, obviously, like you said, um, grew up in Ireland, but... Um, the day after you actually went over to Jamaica to start training, right? Is that correct? Oh, so uh, basically I broke my leg playing football or soccer as mm-hmm. people do it. Said. I've always been interested in boxing. When I was in primary school, a friend of mine, his father used to box for the police. So he used to take us up to the gym and I had a lot of friends that were boxers. So I was always sort of into the boxing side of things. And then I broke my leg when I was 28 playing uh, football. And I told my mother I'd take up something safer. And I ended up uh, in MMA and I thought I trained, I think, a year and a half in MMA. And I thought, no fights then. I thought, okay, well, I'm moving to Jamaica uh, to be with uh, my then girlfriend because uh, I got a job out there. And I thought that was the end of the career. And I ended up getting a, I ended up opening the space of a gym up there, training the national taekwondo team, uh, getting sponsorship, but also affiliation with IBG, which is... Uh, 
an MMA camp in Indiana. Uh, so they started coming to Jamaica. I started going to Indiana. Also, my Brazilian jiu-jitsu coach, Tim Sled, who had his own uh, gym, small axe jiu-jitsu. And basically, so it really, really kicked off in Jamaica whenever people in Trinidad, the fight started in Trinidad and Tobago. And they say, hey, would you like to come down and fight? And I thought, oh, okay. So it was quite interesting because I was working at the time full time. So you have to get up early in the morning, do some training, do your sparring at night while working all day. Um, so, yeah, I really only got into it much when I was in Jamaica and when I got the call from Trinidad. And then when I got my first win in Trinidad, I thought, you know, they started calling me more. The sponsors came in more and I started to take off from there. Okay. So, like you said, obviously, your time in Jamaica um, unlocked a new level of, like you say, fighting for you um, in MMA. And then, so speak to me a bit about how that changed from your earlier earlier days when you were doing boxing, because I know you said that um, you started out in boxing because a friend's dad was a coach, and that's how you guys all started getting into it. But how did it differ in terms of, you know, boxing as, as, as something you're doing for fun to something that you're doing, uh, training to fight? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was always a hobby boxing, you know, and obviously, you know, growing up in Northern Ireland, it's, it's probably better you're able to handle yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, it was never really, it was really much like in any sport. I was very, I'm just stupidly competitive uh, in tennis, any, any sport I play. So moving over to MMA, I thought it was the ultimate challenge because the training was a lot different. Twice a day, six days a week. You have to come down from 200 pounds to 170 pounds. So there's a lot where, yeah, you love the sport and you want to do it for fun. Mm-hmm. But then actually getting ready for a fight can be actually quite miserable. Uh, there might be days you don't want to go to training, but you have to. But you still love it per se. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's those days you want to stay in bed. But it's the, it's the fear of not being able to perform that gets you out of bed mm-hmm. and gets you, you know, running the hills that we did the other day. Or <laughs> So like I said, boxing was always a hobby, but I've always played competitive sports. And like I said, I'm not, not really a, a fighter. I don't go out start fights or anything. Mm-hmm. I just basically took that level of competitiveness from, from football or tennis or anything I've done, just a winning mentality to hopefully moving it into this. And yeah. that was really it. Yeah. That's awesome. I like I like the analogy you made earlier where you said, you know what, fear was a great driver in getting you out yeah. of bed. And yeah. sometimes people think that fear is something that, you know, um, it's something that's bad, um, something that keeps us back from becoming who we can become. But if you can be in the driver's seat, allowing and controlling the fear, like you said, they're using it to say, you know, it's either I get up or I'm going to get my ass handed to me. So yeah, in, yeah. That, in that way, you're like, you know what, fears, you're using fear to serve you. And then it can be powerful. So that's really yeah, powerful. I mean, yeah, I think with fear, uh, you know, I always had a fear not of not of going in there to fight. I always had a fear of losing. I hate mm-hmm. the, I just hate to lose in anything. But when I was going in, you know, I got to fight in Northern Ireland in Belfast, which mm-hmm. is pretty big. I think it was on HBO. They did a DVD and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. Some pretty uh, ex-UFC fighters were on it. And you get to the arena. The arena's packed. You know, that's a whole different fear. The music's blasting while people, other fighters are going before you and then fighters are coming back into the locker room, you know, with their face a mess. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot there that says, so that's one type of fear. The other type of fear is, you know, not being able to succeed. So mm-hmm. all these things, when you go in there, make you sharp. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that can go for anything. Like I watch these rugby matches and when you're fine over a rugby match, you know, is the fear of losing going to drive you? Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
I actually lost my last uh, three fights because my sponsors were paying me to go go to a country to fight, and mm-hmm. I uh, I thought, you know what, it's a fight. I'll just work it in when I get out. When I work it in when I get in the cage, and I was just not, you know, I didn't have the same. I still have the competitive edge, but I didn't mm-hmm. have that. Oh no, is this guy going to kill me? Fear that mm-hmm. keeps you on your toes, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff like this here, the adrenaline. And I sort of realized that was time to call it a day when I didn't have that fear keeping me sharp. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really it, yeah. That's powerful. Once again, yeah. like you say, that the fear gave you an edge. It, told, it made you say, you know what, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go and train. Um, and it yeah. also made you prepare yourself adequately for the fights. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really amazing. And obviously, like that, something we can use in different elements of our life, not only in terms of fighting, but like you said, mm-hmm. the fear of failing, the fear of not becoming who we are destined to become, the fear mm-hmm. of not reaching our full potential. Um, mm-hmm. That should be the, the driving force. And another thing that you mentioned there is that, you know, complacency, and it's easy to become complacent. Um, maybe, you know, things are going easy. And like you said, um, you were getting paid. Um, so now things are easy. It's more free flow. It's more smooth sailing. And in, a, in an instance like that, it's easy for us to then say, you know what, that hunger vanishes. And with that hunger, motivation starts going down as well. And a drive to get up and do the work that got you there in the first place. So it's also yeah. really important. Mm-hmm. It's also as well with, uh, you know, talent. Or, I, I mean, I think a lot of, because I, I was very sporty, so talent mm-hmm. got me only so far. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people depend on this stuff. And when you talk about it in every, everyday life, there's, expect, there's expectations on you no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. So if it's from your parents, if it's from your wife, from your kids, you know, you got to try and make yourself better in every single way. Mm-hmm. So a, a big thing for me in football, my dad was driving me in football. Mm-hmm. And he was very, you know, so I always wanted to impress him. So there was always that drive to get that pat on the back and stuff like that there. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it, trans, it transmits to everything in your work life as well. You don't want to let people down. You want to be good at what you do. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be embarrassed. You know, I, I lost a fight once in 16 seconds. I trained so hard for it and I just got caught in a submission and I was so embarrassed. And I went back and trained even harder, hoping that'll never happen again. But it's the same things. You make mistake in work. You know, things can be embarrassing. You're like, no, I don't want to yeah. do that again. You know, exactly. so it's just, it's just stemming off what you're saying. You know I mean? It, it's, it's, it's comes into personality and your own mentality, you know, and, and, and that's where, where you go from there, you know? Yeah. But I like also that you said that, you know, the fact that you lost, it didn't mean that, oh, I, I was embarrassed because I lost the fight in the first 16 seconds. It wasn't like, oh, and I'm giving up my fighting. I'm not good enough. It's like, I'm going back. I'm training even harder and I'm coming back even better. And yeah, that's, yeah. Some, that's something that many of us can take away as well, because sometimes a knockout, sometimes losing in the first round, sometimes not getting that business up and running doesn't mean that it's the game over for you. It just means yeah, how yeah, can yeah. you go back and prepare to actually execute even better next time around, the next round. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I like that. Then speak a bit about, you know, losing, because yes, winning is all good and, and all, because we obviously, like you said, use the fear of losing to drive you, to actually prepare adequately, you know, to to, to actually put in the work the work effort. Um, yeah. But now we can only control our effort. We can't control the outcome. Right? Yeah. Like you said, there in terms of you trained hard and within the first sixteen seconds you got knocked out. Okay, don't don't keep saying it. But yes, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't knocked out. It was a submission, by the way. Okay, okay, submission. Okay, okay, okay. So now, in a, in an instance like that, how do you manage that? Where you say. Um, you are not defined by the loss because many people 
do get defined? How do you manage to also disassociate yourself from that outcome? Well, it was a big thing. A, a it was stupidly embarrassing, right? Because mm-hmm. I trained very hard. I was absolutely devastated. And I was just like, but you have these peers. So I had mm-hmm. won a lot of fights. I had won by knockout once. I knocked the guy out in 19 seconds. Mm-hmm. And the high of that was so good. And everyone thought this guy's a brilliant fighter. And all of a sudden, you go in there and you get submitted. Now they're all saying you've no submission game. Uh, so it's also to your peers. So you get back up and say, I just can't, I can't leave it there. I can't leave it there. I got to go back in the gym. I got to show the promoters. I got to show the other fighters that, you know, it's really your peers as well. They're, I mean, that's the, that's the biggest thing. They're doing, they're doing the training. That's why you get a lot of these fighters that get annoyed at, you know, these guys are on their couches coming, oh, this guy could have done this, he could have done that. You know, when uh, you really just want to, you're in a, like a fraternity, you know, you're in a, you know, there's, there's very few people that, that do the sport and work that hard at it, that you, you really just want to dust yourself off and go again. But it's also, you never want to experience that feeling again uh, because it's pretty, it's pretty low. Uh, like I was, I had my arm, like my arm was nearly broken. I had it in a sling and, and that wasn't the most painful thing. You know, it was, it was pretty, uh, I actually had one fight as well where I, I broke my ribs in the first 30 seconds and I, I fought the whole fight, but the referee stopped it at the end of the round in his hometown, and it shouldn't have been stopped. And I was just like, you know, even when you do try hard, you know, someone is going to take that away from you, or you're going to get it by a bad break. And unfortunately, this this sport, and a lot of sports, a lot of sports teach you that. But I'm I'm the worst winner, and I'm the worst loser. If I win, I'll let you know. If yeah. I lose, I, I'll blame the referee. I'll blame the coaches. I'll do all this. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. But the thing about MMA is you've no one to blame. You're in there by yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that's what I loved about the sport, where in tennis, I'm like, no, the ball was in. The ball was out. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the referee's fault. It wasn't me. I played amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, mean, but I mean, you know, and then when you win, you know, I also let everyone know, yeah, I won, I won, I won, you mm-hmm. know, and that type of mentality. But uh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I said, I mean, losing, losing is losing is is very much a part of it. When you hear these fighters or anyone in life saying you learn from it, it really is the biggest learning tool, mm-hmm. you know, um, that you can take from anything. You know, the humbleness as well. It makes you a different person. Uh, so it's pretty good in that way, you know. Yeah, and I love the the point is you just had there the fact that you know um, you learn from the falls, you learn from your failures, you learn from being from your losses. Mm-hmm. Um, but also not only that, it also helps keep you humble because it's easy when we're on a winning streak, a winning streak, we are out, we are celebrating. We're just yeah. happy. We think we made it. We think we're on top of the world. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that, like you just said, they, um, around the next bend, they could, our opponent could be there and understand that the guy was going to get us down. So it's also about saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, there's always somebody who's either, who, can, who can outwork me or somebody who can take this away from me. Okay? Mm-hmm. Winning is something that it's, it's temporary. It's like yeah. any emotion. It's fleeting. It comes and it goes. Yes, we can always mm-hmm. have that moment, that memory. But at the end of the day, we need to get back to it. We need to say, okay, I'm getting back to it. I'm going through it again and I'm going through it again. And then um, what I liked also is the fact that you said, yeah, I, I kept you humble. Tell me a bit about how, how you manage that, you know, the ego. Because ego plays a huge part, like you mentioned there. The fact that um, people, you had people who, who was betting on you your team, your fraternity, saying that, listen, he's going to come back again. He is capable of this. Um, now, obviously, with that, there's also that ego, in a sense. Um, how do you, how did you manage and how do you manage your ego today? Like, in terms of, like you say, 
being humble or knowing when to step into beast mode? Well, lucky for me, I have a huge ego. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, no, I mean, I mean, you can't, you, you can't do anything about it. If you mm-hmm. lose, it is it is what it is, you know. So you take it on the chin. But I think a big thing in life is everyone, everyone, you know, even when you you watch any sport and people are trying to bring you down is, you know, you got to write, you got to rise above it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can call it ego or you can just call it positivity, but you got to keep moving forward. Well, what's, what's, what, what's the alternative go and just, mm-hmm. you know, fall into a hole or, 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 mm-hmm. or do whatever, you know, you gotta, you gotta stand tall, stand proud, say, at least I got in there and I done it, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, which I don't like to say too much. Cause I also think, Oh, at least I done that. I don't think that's an overly winning mentality either, mm-hmm. but I think, um, you got to know how to move on to the next one. And like I said, your ego is going to take hits. Someone is going to get the better of you in anything you do, whether it's work, life, anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you rise above it, you move on, and these people bringing you down. And they're, they're the, they, I mean, you got to remember they're insecure. Mm-hmm. They're, they're struggling with themselves that they got to put you down to make yourself feel better. So I tell myself that a lot. You know, I, I hear someone put me down sometime and I meet them. I'm like, I said, I said, I'm really worried about you. What? Well, I should be worried about you. I said, no, 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 no. I said, you're, you're throwing all this flack onto me. What's going on at home with you? What's going on yeah. at home with you? You know, and this type of thing. So uh, that's the thing. You just get up the next day, you go again. That's it. I like that. I like that. And then obviously you also mentioned that um, you, you do manage like beach clubs. Um, how do you think that differed in terms of, because obviously if you're looking at maybe beach clubs and hotels as a different industry from people who's there to train in a stand. Mm. Um, how, how do you think you, you step into the different roles? Um, is it something that you intentionally say, okay, you know what, this is gym time when this is now where I need to go and actually manage people on vacation? Because I know personally it's about, you know, when we are go, 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 it's always trying to motivate people, come on, do more. But in a beach, in the in the beach um, club element, there's more people who's on the leisure side, on the holiday side. Mm. How do you manage that? Uh, the same. Mm-hmm. It's like you go into work and, you, like I said, you want to provide them with the best service you can. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you want to make sure your staff are doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in Thailand, there's a lot of training involved. Uh, mm-hmm. Same when I was in Jamaica, even in, Ar- in Ireland as well. I mean, you know, service is not a hundred percent. So again, the, you you help these guys, your staff, learn from their mistakes and move on. Uh, you know, the customers are there on leisure. You're not. So yeah. again, you're in a, you're in an industry. You know. So uh, I just find again, and when it comes down to your peers, it's nice when your boss says, "Oh no, 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 Chris has got it. Let's mm-hmm. let's go do let's go develop another hotel. Chris is in charge of this." Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 where I like to get to where. I'm running the operation so the CEO or the owner can go off and make more money somewhere else, mm-hmm. knowing it's good here. Uh, so, yeah, all these people are on holiday, but I also like them coming up at the end. Hey, the service here was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, so there, there's no real switch off uh, moving, I don't think, anyway, coming from sports to your workplace. I also worked in America. I did two supervisors and in, in training qualifications and management qualifications in america and no matter what anyone says about the america their services is top tier you know it's like you go to order chicken wings and a bucket of beer and within a minute they're there you're like how did that happen you didn't even you didn't even make them (laughs) how does that work like the service is high level and i worked with a guy called matt 
wasn't that show match now or something like that. And uh, he was on all day, just on all day. Hey, you got it. You got it. I got you. I got you. And it was literally like watching him play sport while he was working. He wanted to make sure that he was the best at it. He was uh, promoted to supervisor straight away. So the competition was still in the game. Promotions, promotions, promotions. How high can you go? I'm in a different scenario now. I'm with my family. How much money can I make? So you want to go higher and higher and higher to make sure you're giving them a better a better understanding. But uh, I just remember working in America and we had, a, don't get me wrong, we had a lot of characters come in from different countries and uh, I'm here, I'm here to, you know, the mentality wasn't there. But I, and even even me, like when I first went to my first internship, I was like, oh, oh, I have to go to work. I have to go to work. But I was learning from these, this guy and he was just, him and a guy called Andrew Hubner, they, when they got to work, they came to play. They came, they, they, you know, it was like a sport. They, they came to be the best that they were doing. And uh, another good manager of mine, Jim Bernier, he, he really had a big impact on me because it was, if he was ever in a bad mood, you'd never see it. You know, that type of thing. Like if you're in a fight, if you're hurt, you don't show it. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's positive and you, you got to, and, and it's called leadership. And, and, I, and I fed from that and I learned from that to where you become a leader yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't really, I think they're not much, uh, you still see me? I can see you now. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry. I think, I, I think they're, uh, I think they're, like I said, mutually exclusive. I think that they all, they, it depends on your personality. They all come hand in hand, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that also, like you said, you're using, um, the, the core, the fund at the foundation, what makes you a winner in sport, um, will make you a winner in your career. Just about being intentional about that. And then one more thing I want to ask you, but, about is um, you you mentioned that you're very competitive. You've always been competitive in nature. Now I know that um, being competitive in nature doesn't necessarily equal being a winner, right? Uh, we have mm. many people who are competitive. Oh, a lot of people are. They're competitive, but they don't win at anything because they're not there. They're taking action. They're not um, trying to find a way to win. Mm. Now I also know that to really be to really be a winner or a champion, it's about choosing your battles. What you're going to compete mm. at. Okay, being okay with being a loser in one area. How do you manage that? How do you say, okay, um, this is something that I want to focus on, um, and this is something I want to be a winner on at, and then moving on. How do you how do you manage that specifically? Uh, that's a tough question. I just I just really I can't even explain it. I just really did it. It was just it was just part of me. Like I got a lot of a lot of good mates that I really looked up to that were uh, high level boxers. They came out of a small club in my hometown in Bangor. Um, so it was never for me. It was always the, it was never really managing it. It's just, it was just a matter of who I am. You, you, you go and do it. Uh, but you also, when you're like, for example, as well, which is quite interesting, I'm not being big headed. I've always had a quite good dexterity. I've been quite good at sport. You know, uh, you get a lot of people that are not. Uh, or or they are good, but they're good, good in certain facets. So mm-hmm. I was I was coaching under fives football, mm-hmm. right? And I had ten players, kids, five. Yeah. One kid wanted to do nets, and you could just see he would be a goalkeeper. You could just see the catching the ball, all this stuff. The other kids now, there was one kid couldn't couldn't kick the ball in front of him and keep it close to him, mm-hmm. but boy, he could tackle. And from a young age, that's what you, you really need. The best way I can explain it, you need to make sure you have the right people around you. Right people around so, you. 
so if I'm if you're asking me how did you manage your stuff, well, I had a guy come from Trinidad who was a very very high level wrestler, mm-hmm. and I taught him boxing every night. He taught me wrestling every night, mm-hmm. and that's how I got it better in, in that facet. Because when it comes down to it, it's not your talent; it comes down to a lot of technique, uh, and that's what you find in that. So when I look back in these kids, I said, okay, I said to my son, "You're the tackler, Isaac. You're going to win the ball." You're going to give it up to Coco and Henry. They're the ones with the control and the best shot. Mm-hmm. And my son says, Daddy, does that mean I can side tackle all the time? He's like, yeah. He goes, great. So already he's understanding what he likes to do. Yes. Right? So he's already you're thinking as a coach, he's going to be a midfielder. He's going to win the ball. He's going to move the ball on. But this other kid was four and he was a genius. Like I couldn't believe how he was moving the ball. Mm-hmm. So again, the best way I can say you're sound, you're, you surround yourself with the right people and you also, you know, they need to see what you need to work on, your strengths and weaknesses. You know, especially if you have ego, when you talk about winners, mm-hmm. when you get this ego of, no, no, I'm not good. I'm not good. Well, you just lost. Yeah. So what do you need to improve? I can tell you, now you need to start listening to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you say you need to be humble, you need to be able to listen to other people as well. I think that's, yes. that's key. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's beautifully said. Um, that... It's a time where we need to step into the master state, but also in ta- into a student state where we are listening, where we're trying to acquire knowledge, where we're trying to get better. Um, and that's really powerful. That's only where we actually become real true champions because every champion, at every champion is still ultimately a student. Like you said, if you're looking at, at, at MMA, you're going back to training every single time after every win to get ready for the next fight. It's not about, oh, I've done it once and now... I can just do it in my sleep with the next time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's even, even what you said, Kyle, the fact you were here the other day, you wanted to take a Muay Thai fight. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important in this sport as well. You pay it forward. So if you see someone with a competitive nature, mm-hmm. uh, a good attitude, positive, mm-hmm. and they're going to work hard, uh, you try and mentor. So I had a, I had yes. a you know, good friend of mine, Pat, uh, Pat McPherson. Uh, he runs IBG in, in Indiana. He's a Golden Gloves trainer. We call him the coaches of coaches. He comes to Tiger Muay Thai, trains all the boxing there. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Uh, always giving knowledge. Always mm-hmm. passing on what he did in his career. Mm-hmm. He went 7-0 and in MMA. Always passing that on. So if you can, you know, you'll come to me. I'll work on your boxing. I'll work on mm-hmm. some stuff. And hopefully the training session the other day was good and you, and you learn stuff from it. Then, you know, you go away. And if someone else comes up to you and says, hey, you know, I want to do what you're doing. I said, okay, well, let me let me put my arm around you, and we'll, we'll both walk in the same direction, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you get a lot of positivity from that. Or set, instead of these other kids or youngsters, you know, that want to fight and they take the bad road, mm-hmm. you know. That's what I think. Anyway, you got to pay it yeah. forward. I agree. I agree. It's ultimately about serving. Everything that we do ultimately boils down to a life of service. About how how are you contributing towards other people, the human race. Um, whether it's just one individual trying to help that, that person get better, um, get to know themselves or win at life. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's very, very important. Because like you said, what made you a winner was your team, right? Yeah. Exactly the same thing. It's about now, how can you be that for the next person? So I love Thank that. You. And then to conclude, um, I know right now you are doing coaching, like you said. Um, tell us a bit about the, the coaching that you are currently doing right now. Uh, it started off a little kid. I, I don't want to mention their name, but a, mm-hmm. a little kid, some, some kid in school was banging a chair off the little kid's shins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was going to school. He got hit over the head with a thing. So I'm, 
I'm what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to take kids. I'm trying to take kids that were or, or think they're being bullied or being bullied, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to take kids that. I don't want to say this because I don't have many kids that are bullies or what I think are bullies, but mm-hmm. potentially could be bullies, right? So you know, a lot of people say, "Okay, I'm going to take I'm going to take a bully," and I'm like, "Yeah, why are you why are you training him to fight when he's already bullying people?" Mm-hmm. I said, "Yeah, but it's a mentality. When you come into my gym in Northern Ireland and you're a street thug, you come into gym, you get beat up. Fact. That's what happens in your first day. Now you either go away and you come back and you learn." Or you go back to the street and you continue being a street thug. So I'm trying to take these kids. There's younger kids now in their development years, say 11 to 15. I'm trying to take these kids and I'm trying to say, hey, you know, if I ever hear you're in school and you've hit somebody or you've used anything, this is done. This yeah. is done. And now I have a, a nice little group of kids that enjoy. Oh, you're training with Chris too, and there's a bit of a a bit of a camaraderie going on. Mm-hmm. And then I have a lot of young kids. Like I said, one young kid was getting bullied and I was just teaching him some skills. I said, listen, I'm not teaching you to go back and beat up this bully. I'm teaching you that you have a confidence that you can do it and you act accordingly. And, and that's what's happened. He's went back into school. The other kid hasn't bothered him. He hasn't bothered the other kid, but the other kid knows he's boxing, you know, or knows he's doing this. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what happens when people hear you're, you're doing some training, you're boxing, they leave you alone. Yeah, yeah. The bullies all of a sudden, you know, and a lot of things as well with bullies, it's, it's also, uh, sorry, it's also stuff in their uh, home life, you know? So if you mm-hmm. can, like, again, mentor and, you know, and you want to bring in, I'm actually thinking of starting a summer camp where I can work with these kids where it'll probably be the hardest things they ever do. Uh, but at the end of it, they'll be faster, stronger with more endurance, but they'll leave with an attitude of, you know, the, there's a work ethic there. So I'm, I'm taking a lot of kids. I'm, I'm training them boxing and a bit of MMA, self-defense, close combat training, uh, and trying to develop attitudes with that. And like I said, all the kids right now, the attitude's amazing. Uh, I think they're seeing the difference. And straight away after first session, I hope you've seen as well, when we're working on your elbows from Muay Thai to boxing, the yes, difference yes. in the power, the quickness in the power. Uh, and you see that after first lesson, the, the kids keep coming they keep coming back, you know, and, uh, and plus as well, some parents just have a hard time with their kids. You know, the kids are given attitude, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, I had one, one person the other day and they come in and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing it. I said, all right, listen, you're here. Your parents have told me I'm in charge. I said, so you can do, you can do push-ups until you're ready to work. I said, no problem. So I put them in the corner and I said, keep going. It's not done. So I push up, push up. And they're like, okay, I'll box now. And then they realized when they started boxing, maybe they were just tired, which is probably the case. But when they started, they realized how much they loved it. Yes. Uh, and when they start hearing the pads hitting the right way. Uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty good and a, a bit eye-opening for me just to see, you know, the, especially in Thailand here where, you know, you know yourself, you growing up in South Africa, me growing up in Ireland, we mm-hmm. used to pick a ball for three hours a day. We didn't mm-hmm. have phones and laptops and all this stuff. We had, you know, we had, we were kicking a ball for three hours a day or doing some type of sport where here they're all on their laptops. As soon as they yeah. get home, they're, they're playing, you know, Minecraft or something where their parents are like, no, you're going to boxing mm-hmm. an hour for an hour where, so I'm getting a lot of people booking in twice a week. I'll do a camp as well, where again, you're off the iPads, you're doing this and you're actually focusing on being a human and a better human being, you know, and um, that's basically what I'm doing here. You know, that's really awesome. It's really awesome that you're like able to, um, mold these young kids 
um, into becoming really, like you said, uh, more confident and um, more confident, disciplined individuals. So that's mm-hmm. really powerful because ultimately that's, that's, that's core traits that are needed to really get or achieve a life of excellence, to go after the things that we want in life. Yeah, so, it's, also, it's, also, it's also the work ethic, but it's also with, like I said, a, a couple of these kids, don't, don't forget, a bully kid is not mm-hmm. a bad kid. They maybe mm-hmm. have some issues going on in their life and this is and they're projecting. So if exactly. you can work with that kid and, and take that away from them, mm-hmm. plus when they look at me, I say, look, I'm tougher than you. Mm-hmm. I said, do you want me to beat up you? You know, and they're like, oh, no, no, no. I said, exactly. So don't, I said, so if you see someone being bullied, then try and help that person instead of bully someone yourself. Yes. And uh, I, had a, I had a better experience when I was younger with bullying. So, uh, yeah, being the bully in, in primary school and then being bullied in high school, you know, mm-hmm. you, you you take a lot from it all, you know, and uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'd just like to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to chat with me and to share your journey um, your insight about what it takes to win. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Eh? Thank you so much. Good morning. Welcome to the Coached Success Podcast. This is the number one show on mindset. This show explores what it takes to turn your adversity into your advantage and help you maximize your potential. Each week I sit down with a guest who is winning at life to uncover the tools, techniques and insight that will propel you to a champion's level. My name is Kyle Daniels. I hope you enjoy the show.